Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Lucas Berry, alongside me virtually from Hedgesville, West Virginia, Mr. Darren Shrewsbury Jr. Darren, how are you on this Friday? Uh, no complaints today. No complaints. I will take that. Uh, we get to talk ball again. We get to do something we've never done on this show before. We have never actually had a chance to review a game. We get a chance to do that today. We actually get a chance to do two games, and we'll preview one. So it's a full schedule for us today, a full show. Uh, we'll start out with that West Virginia Eastern Kentucky game. Uh, first of all, how good was it to see Mountaineer football back? Wonderful. It was very yeah. wonderful. <laughs> Cannot disagree. Cannot disagree. I've used that phrase with you more in the last week than I have in my entire life. <laughs> it's true, but I never thought I'd say it just like that. So I, I, I did something kind of coach esque. If you know anything about me, you know I still have that coaching mindset, even though I never coached a game in my life. Uh, despite the fact that when I was with the soccer team at Oak Hill, we played down at Nitro, and they introduced in soccer the head coach called a manager. And I was listed on the team roster's manager, but I was the statistician. I kept the stats for that game mm-hmm. for the team. And they uh, said the head coach and the manager is Lucas Berry, uh, assisted by Kyle Kent and Cliff Sullivan, who are the two head coach and assistant coaches. It's like, and Coach Kent looked at me. He's like, what do you want to do today, Coach? I was like, well, I want to win the game first off. <laughs> So that was fun, but I have never actually officially coached a game in my life. And it didn't help that I was standing, I was standing on the sideline kind of alone to myself, deep in thought. I guess it kind of like I looked at, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so I did a coaching kind of thing. I kept the notes. I kept notes during the game. I, I put a piece of paper in my, in my back pocket, and I had my pen with me, and I wrote down things that kind of stepped out to me, or stood out to me during the game. And the first thing I have is the fast start offensively. If you tune into that game late, you missed a heck of an opening drive, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. They got going, particularly in the running game. It's actually my next point, was the running game, Letty Brown was named the offensive MVP, or at least he should have been. Uh, And Alex Sinkfield, they both had 123 yards. Mm -hmm. As crazy as that is, they both had 123 yards. And this is a game where they needed to get going. Yeah, exactly. And that was the what the first time they had two 100 plus yard runners since what uh, was it 2018? And then that was the most rushing yards they had as a team since 2017, or vice versa. Either way, that's either way, it's impressive. Yeah, they. I'll say, well, I'll say it like Neil Brown said it. We we wanted the running game to be to to get off on a, on a good start. Um, but let's not get off and assume that it's going to be like that all season. We want it to be like no. this all season, but let's not assume we're going to walk into OK State and, and run down ha- your throat. Exactly. No. We'd like you, to, you, though. No, you'd love to, especially with that passing, especially with the way they can play. Mm-hmm. I want to take every single thing I can and just take it away from them. I want to, they don't touch the ball if it's me. Yeah. If you, if I can, the, the, the they have big playability, no doubt. But as far as I'm concerned, the uh, the big time of possession game for me, I'm making that a time of possession game. Mm-hmm. I am not letting them have the ball that much. Exactly, I'm just not. And here's another here's another uh, big breakthrough. Tony Mathis Jr. had the most carries of the whole team. He had 18 carries. Wow, I didn't even 56 yards. That. 56 56 yards through a net of 55. He lost one yard. Uh, as long as it was 80, he had one touchdown. And he averaged 3.1 yards a carry. Letty Brown did his damage uh, on 10 carries, and he had a longer 38 of 12.3 yards a carry. Alex Sinkfield had 15 yards 
he didn't lose a single yard, and his long was 28, and he averaged 8.2 yards a game. You don't get much better than that. Nope. You really don't, especially for them that didn't run the ball. This team averaged 2.6 yards a carry last year. That was third worst in the country. Mm -hmm. It's a lot better this year, and it's going to start out that way. And here's the thing, the extra two games you lose will help that average a little bit. Yeah. It's because you don't have those two extra games pulling it down if you you throw up a dud against Texas or whatever. Exactly. The second thing I have, actually the third thing I have, was the special teams' mistakes. And this happened all around the country. It wasn't just isolated to WVU. Mm -hmm. But – Special teams for parts of that game looks really rusty. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. Well, it was bad, but I'm not going to say it because I understand why. It's hard to replicate that in a, um, in a uh, film and virtual setting. It's hard to do that. You have to actually go out and do it. Yep. But, man, that looked bad. Yeah, there was – what? Was it a – I might be remembering it, uh, misremembering, but uh, there was a touchdown. There was or should have been a, a – uh, kickoff return, return touchdown. touchdown. Yeah, and it was called yeah, back. Yeah, and it got back. Yeah. As soon as I saw the flag, I was like, oh, that's that's getting called back. I mean, it's almost so always, I, yeah. a, what, it was a block in the back or a holding, but almost always a block in the back. I think it was back. a block in the back. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, well, that bailed them out, but still, like, they let it happen to begin with. Um, You're not going to – you can't get – you can't count on getting bailed out in that game. Yeah. In that situation. Exactly. And that will lose you a lot more games than it will win you. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, and then there was uh there was a what a, a muffed punt as well. Yep. Uh, that they thankfully recovered. So you know, some some definitely some things that they can they can uh put some oil on and get that rust out. I would hope. Uh, something else I noticed at the end of the first half was the extracurricular activities that happened. There was a fight that broke out or some jawing back and forth, and I'm like, guys, don't. Okay, it's never worth it. No, not at all. It is never worth it to, to, to start. I don't mind trash talk. I honestly don't. But there's a difference between talking trash and getting up in someone's face and having an official throw a flag in your face. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I'm ever going to like. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, that was that's the big thing. There was a lot of penalties on both sides, especially. But what was weird is how often there were negating penalties. There was one penalty on the other side, one penalty on the Mountaineers, and more often than not, you had you had plays that should have went Eastern Kentucky's way that were canceled out because both teams decided to commit a penalty. Uh, it was very weird, almost too weird. Not that I'm going to say that anything was weird because that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy talk. But it was very weird how, how that happened. <laughs> I can't disagree with you. I really can't. As much as I might want to. Okay, so here's the penalty stats. Here's something I, didn't, I did not realize when I looked at the box score. Both teams had the same amount of penalties and the same amount of penalty yards. Eight penalties, 65 yards, both teams. Wow. So that's, what, 16 penalties and 130 yards mm-hmm. total? That's not great. It's not good, but it's not, yeah. it's not bad. But it's for a, And here's the thing. You can qualify almost everything here because it's game one. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and let's be honest. It's a weird game one because a few weeks ago, we didn't even think we were going to get this game. Yeah. So you have to. So if you're that, if you're a team, you're going from okay, we're preparing for a season. Then all of a sudden, coronavirus. If we have to stop all in person, in in person team workouts, we've got to do it from home. Unless we get sent home from school, we come back. We start off season conditioning on a much shorter time frame. Then we have this weird camp 
where we get given extra time, but we're not doing it extra in person. We're doing virtually. We're doing everything we can virtually, and we're not even. They split the team up. They had two different practices for two different people. Yeah, for two different groups, depending on who was with people at certain times outside the football program, which is smart. But it still, it's it hurts the cohesiveness of the football team because you're going to be. Uh, tight with that group of people you've been working with and then not with the other people. Yeah. That's what's really crazy about it. And then you go in and you still – and look, there's not a game this season that's guaranteed. I may write a uh, a game into my game of the week uh, stuff on Wednesday, and then they might come down on Friday and say, look, we got coronavirus tests. We can't play. Yeah. It's not guaranteed. So you don't know what's going to happen week to week. So that's a weird thing to prepare for, and I – and that's how that's why I say qualify everything you saw in that game. It's plus value. EKU is not a very good team. That's a bad team. Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest. That is a very bad team. But if you watch them against Marshall, they got better. It was not it was not as bad as it was, but it was still pretty bad. And that's a game where West Virginia did what they should have done, which is just blow them out and have the game over by halftime. And they did a good job. Yeah, I agree. You know who the uh, leading receiver was in that game for West Virginia? Uh, I'm going to say it was Sam James. Correct. Five catches, 72 yards, one touchdown. He, Bryce Ford Wheaton, to me, had a coming out party. Yeah, he. I swear he was open all the time. Granted, he dropped a couple, but you know that's to be expected, you know, especially in game yeah. one. Exactly. You're not going to have – you're not going to be running on all cylinders in game one. He had four catches for 67 yards in the touchdown. I will take that any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. So the next thing I have was the uh, – was that Jared Deggy looked in command of the offense, which is exactly what we wanted him to, to, to look – coming into the game, right? We just wanted to see him have command of the offense, yeah, and he did. Yeah, he, he was co- – Cool, calm, and collected. Didn't make very many mistakes. And, you know, he he got out of harm's way for the most part as often as he could. So he was just he was just having a day out there. He was going in there like, this is my job. Let's get this over with. And not like, you know, let's get this over with. I hate this, but let's get <laughs> let's this go. done. Let's roll him. Yeah. And, I mean, he did that. He was extremely efficient. Didn't turn the ball over any. You know, three touchdowns. That's always nice. And coach's best friend, no interceptions. Exactly. I mean, we even got to see the uh, uh, Kendall for a short bit and Garrett Green. Garrett Green. I was going to bring that up. Garrett Green was quite – he made some pretty good decisions as well. You know, he got out there. He he saw open field, and he darted for it when he he knew he couldn't get it down to the receivers. So he was making some smart decisions out there. Not bad for a true freshman. I listened to another West Virginia podcast, uh, three guys before the game on Metro News with Tony Caridi, Brad Howe, and Hoppy Kerchival, which if you ever have a chance to listen to it, I highly recommend it. But they were talking about the scouting report on Gary Green is this. He can run, and he will. He'll talk some smack to you, too. He's not afraid of you. And I love that about him. They, they, I don't, they said he um, basically ran around a guy and ran him over, and then he talked to him, and then Brown was like, Okay, son, back off a little bit. <laughs> You're going to get yourself in trouble now. Don't do that. Yeah. I don't mind fire. I mind, I mind blue fire. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's funny. Yeah. It, and look, if he's like that, go for it, man. Go for it. Here's the thing. 
I want there to be a backup quarterback fight between Kendall and Green. Mm-hmm. I want there to be an absolute dogfight for those two, for that backup spot. Because I want to have someone that if Deggie gets hurt and goes down, I can count on. And I can't count on Kendall, but if he beats out Green, so be it. And here's what's so great about everything, and I was going to bring this up, is that Garrett Green, you wouldn't think you'd see him. He's a true freshman. They love him. Yeah. This season doesn't count toward eligibility. You can play every single person on that roster as many games as you want. So Garrett Green doesn't have to abide by the four games uh, redshirt uh, season anymore. Austin Ken, uh, not Austin, Jared Deggy played four games last year, and he'll play this entire game this year, and it won't count toward his eligibility at WVU. This is a, this is a coach's best friend to be able to play all these guys, and we heard Neil Brown said he wanted to do it. He did. Yeah. It, especially for, you know, given, given the season we came out of last year, we knew it was going to happen to some extent. Given that it was a young team, still a young team, for all, basically all these guys to sit here and have that extra year and Brown have that extra year to, uh, to um, develop them. It's, it's literally the perfect scenario for Mountaineer football, for any football team, but especially Mountaineer football, given how much young talent we have to work with. Exactly. You heard he, I, I, did you hear in the broadcast they said Neil, Neil Brown described as his second first year? No, I, di- I didn't hear that. He did, and he's absolutely right, too. It is basically his second first year at the helm. And you can write off, well, you can't write off on his record, but you can write <laughs> off almost that 5-7 and seven season last year. I'm sure he'd like to write off of his record. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, there's a lot to look forward to. In, in the future in West Virginia football. There's a lot to be proud of from the, given that performance on Saturday. And there's a lot to be positive about, but pump the brakes a little bit. You're going to number 11 Oklahoma State mm-hmm. uh, ne- next week. That's not going to be an easy game. No, no, it won't. They've got a three-headed monster at, at, at uh, Chuba Hubbard uh, at running back. I can't remember their quarterback and receiver's name, but I know them and I can't think of them, but they're really freaking good. And I'm just like, well... You're going to have to grow up real fast, boys. You're going to have to really come out there and play. Mm-hmm. And the, here's the thing. We talked about offensively making it a, 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 a time of possession game. Mm-hmm. The defense, I thought, from this game should have a little bit more swagger going into next week's game. Yeah, totally. They did well. Yeah, they, they, they were fighting every second. And then, of course, with that wonderful interception, dude j- jumps from 20 yards out. To, to make that play like those are the types of plays you want to see against any team. And this guy, this is his first year on the team too. He's a, he's a transfer. So he came in and said, I'm hungry. Let's, let's eat. And boy, did he eat. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he did. You talking about uh, Jamel die. Yes. All right. Got my names correctly. All right. Yeah. I agree with you. He, he's going to be the, the, uh, the rock of that defense, along with the Steelers brothers, he's going to be the rock on the back end. The Steelers brothers are going to do work on the on the on the front end. If you can figure out that middle part and the rest of the secondary, you got something there. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Jeff Castillo, we mentioned him. He's back as a linebacker coach. And that man knows how to coach off because how to coach defense. You saw how good those linebackers were when he was here as, as a defensive coordinator. Yep. We're not running a three three five anymore, but man can coach. Okay, 
that defense is in good hands, even if they're not under one defensive coordinator anymore. Yeah, exactly. So he, we have to bring this up. I didn't have it in our, I don't have it in our rundown, but I, I just remembered it. Uh, there were eleven players suspended for la- for a violation of team rules on Saturday. Mm-hmm. When I told you that, besides your reaction, I don't remember if it was a foul word or not. Uh, <laughs> what did you think? I mean, obviously you're disappointed. You're like, well, well, falsely, it was nice to know that as uh, that that it wasn't related to uh, COVID violations. Um, that was nice, uh, but you know, you get eleven people and a couple of them were starters. You, you have to think, man, you guys got to be smarter than that. You've got to be more accountable. And you know what? <laughs> in in the ridiculous scenario that, or what if they would have lost that game and those guys were gone and it was the their positions, you know, the starters that were failing the most the backups there we could in a way be like listen guys i know it's next man up but you guys failed you failed the team either way you failed the team doing doing whatever they did but i saw it i was like oh dang it (laughs) like that's not a way to start the season no if we're gonna use the uh strange planet thing expletive expletive that's where i think you were both that's like i think you and i were both saying exactly you can fill in that word as you wish (laughs) uh but uh, if you know us, you probably know what that word was. But if not, then you can uh, let your imagination run free. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. I don't understand how you can look at a season where you don't know how many games you're going to get in. You don't know if you're going to have a season and still feel good enough to go out there and do whatever thing they did to get themselves suspended. Yeah. I don't understand that. You have a chance to play Division One college football at the highest level. And you don't know how many games you're going to get. It's possible that this is the only game they're going to play this year. Mm-hmm. It's it's a legitimate possibility. It's minute, but it's still there. Yeah. Why would you mess that up for yourself? Why? What what could be more important than that? And look, academics are more important than football. But I guarantee they weren't punished for going to class. I guarantee you they weren't punished for going to class. So the question is, what did they deem more important than this? Yeah, I Truthfully, I uh, there's a lot of things, but yeah, probably never and not know. a whole lot of them are good. No, and here's the thing: you're on scholarship here. You are being paid by this university essentially to go to go play football. Mm-hmm. Don't waste their money. Absolutely. It, these these donors who pay the money to pay your scholarships, I want you to go and look them in the in the eye and go, ma'am or sir, I viewed. X, Y, and Z is more important than playing football. And see what kind of looks they give you. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be pretty ones. No, and they're not going to be pretty from people who wanted to be in that stadium and go watch even though they couldn't. But still, it, it's not, not a good situation at all. Thankfully, it's only a one-game suspension. I hope they learned their lesson, but come on, guys. you got to know better than that. Exactly. you got to know better than that. There's no excuse for that. No, none excuse, no excuse, especially now. Let's well. Let's get one last word on the uh, uh, East Kentucky game. One last word from you, Darren, about the East Kentucky game. What stood out? What uh, What did you see? Final Final word on that one. I think I think I like the fact that 
it, it seemed like Deggy was getting the ball around to everyone. You know, everyone got a chance to to get the ball thrown to them. Um, you know, again, the the you know, Sam James had five receptions and he was the leading receiver. So and, and Deggy completed it nineteen times. So that's a decent spread. And let's see how many how many actually had. I'm looking right here at the uh, the stats to see if I can if it'll break it down for me. You should go to the box score yeah. and then uh, there we scroll are. down to receiving. So, one, two, Sam James, Bryce Ford Wheaton, Sam Brown, Reese Smith. He he went off pretty well. You know, he caught it four times. Yeah, he did. He seemed to be to uh, be doing pretty well. Winston Wright Jr., Grayson Malashevich, um, Letty Brown caught one, Sean Ryan, Charles Finley, uh, tight end, right? Um, yeah. And Alex Sinkfield caught one. Granted, he lost some yards, but... That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's ten people that caught the ball out of nineteen completions. Wait, that's just well. Tw- that's not all. The, yeah. Those aren't all to Deggy's completions. True. Remember, True. Uh, Kendall had three and right. uh, out of six, and then six, Garrett Green so, had three out of four. So there was like how I can't I can't see the breakdown of that's, who threw. But yeah, you're right. There's there's a couple of those that could be given to Austin Kendall, but still, that's ten guys for twenty five team completions. Yeah. And even then, that's still. A lot of people got their hands on the ball, but you know, Daigie did his job. Kendall got a few of them. You know, Green did a couple, so that's that's not a bad spread at all. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna stand to benefit you because here's the thing: we don't know that when we get down into like October, November, and we gotta go down to Texas, that we're not gonna have guys out with COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're gonna have to get guys in games. You're gonna have to get bodies. It's going to stand a lot to where if, if it comes down to it where it's a big game and we have some of the key guys out with COVID, we can count on these guys and say, okay, guys, it's not a Big 12 game, but you've played in a college game before. You know how this works. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So there... I would add – Oh, oh go, ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I would, add, I would add this. We talked about last week how we didn't, I didn't want people to start pressuring Deggy into matching uh, Grant Wells at Marshall against EKU. Yeah. And he didn't. He had about uh, – how many yards did he have? 225 yards, I think. Uh, 228. Deggy, 228. Yep. Uh, he had just under 100 yards less than uh, Grant Wells. Grant Wells had 307 yards and four touchdowns. It wasn't about matching him yard for yard. So I don't want anyone to go and look and say, well, Grant, the Marshall quarterback did more yards than you. He didn't have to. Marshall is a good running, a good running game. The conference player of the year in Conference USA is their running back. Mm-hmm. And their backup is really good too. But he didn't have to do all of that. He just did. He looked in command of the offense for a freshman. Jaron Deggie looked in command of the offense for a junior. Mm-hmm. He, he looked like he, like he should have been there. And that's what I wanted to see, and I saw it. So don't go looking at this game like, oh, well, you know, Marshall, look at what they did. You know, they beat him 59 nothing, and we, we didn't even score as many as Marshall, and we gave up 10 points. Different game. They got them. They got – EKU got embarrassed in Huntington. Mm-hmm. And you and I both said this before the game. Don't count out a team that got embarrassed. They're not going to win the game, we didn't think, and we were right. But they, they never stopped fighting. They never gave up. And when you have a team like that that got embarrassed the, day be- the game before and doesn't give up, you're not going to match uh, 59 nothing two games in a row. No. You're just not. And 10 points, I can live with that. I can live with 10 points as long as I have at least 11. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we, we expect them to come out and probably score something. I mean, I mean it's, it's just 
like you said, it, it was bound to happen. Those those you can't sit there and expect them to just be complacent with with such a loss. Even if they come back and still get fifty plus scored on them, at least they show that they they were still fighting and didn't just go. Mm, no, I'm just just gonna do nothing. If I'm Walt Wells, their head coach, I told you this the other day. I I, I can work with competitiveness. I can work with that. They've got like an eight game schedule this year. I, I lost two of my games to FBS teams that I'm playing out of three. For the FCS games like I'm playing, I can work with competitiveness. I can work with that. Mm-hmm. As long as you give me something where you have an ounce of fight in you, I can take that out of you and I can get I can coach you up X and those wise. But I can't do any of that effectively if you've checked out for the season or for the game. They didn't. And I give them immense credit for that. Yep, can't disagree there. So the uh West Virginia game was not the only Big Twelve game over the weekend. Uh, it was the opening weekend for the conference, save Oklahoma State and Baylor who will play this weekend. Uh, there were two really embarrassing losses suffered by Big 12 teams. It, well, not well, okay, they're not necessarily embarrassing, but they're puzzling. Iowa State lost to Louisiana Lafayette. Or no, it's not Louisiana now. Mm-hmm. And Kansas State lost to Arkansas State. Now, I watched Arkansas State play against Memphis two weeks ago, and I liked what they did. But they went for an onside kick in the third quarter, and at that point, it just went south when they didn't get it. Memphis got the ball at 50-yard line, they just marched down the field and scored. From that point, the game was really over. Louisiana, people don't realize it, but I did because I wrote the Sunbelt preview. They won 11 games last year, and they just about won the, won the conference and had them up in for Appalachian State. Mm-hmm. That is not a bad team. Don't look at and this proves my point that I've said for years. Don't look at a Sun Belt or Conference USA game or a MAC game or a Mountain West game or those other uh, American game. Don't look at that at that team at get game and go, not LSU, Bama. Don't care. Those teams are bad because I guarantee you they're not. Ask Iowa State. Ask mm-hmm. Kansas State. They're not bad teams. And by the way, Louisiana is now the highest ranked Sun Belt team in the in in the country. They're number five in the AP poll, and they're num- uh, 19 in the AP poll. I don't know why I said five. They're number, 20 fo- number 23, I think, in the coaches' poll. They've never been ranked in the coaches' poll until this week. They haven't been ranked in the AP poll since 1943. Wow. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to them, first off. But here's my big question for you. A lot of people, including myself, liked Iowa State and Kansas State, too, where if Oklahoma faltered and Oklahoma State lost some games to maybe Texas too, could potentially be in that top upper echelon, maybe top four of the, of the league. Does those, do those losses make those teams more susceptible, put them more in the middle of the conference, like the upper middle, or are they still in that very top bottom or bottom of the top? I, I think if it comes to, let's say Iowa State and, and Kansas State happen to, to just win out for the rest of the thing. Uh, the, which well, someone's gonna have to someone's losses, gonna have to loss, of course. Then, yeah. of course, you know we're still fighting Oklahoma. They'd have to beat Oklahoma to win out at this point. I I, I don't know if I can see that happening. Um, I, I I think it'll still I still think they'll end up being that upper middle. I don't really think they'll end up really competing for the conference unless something crazy happens. And obviously something has already in the sense that Iowa state lost Louisiana, no disrespect to Louisiana, of course, uh, as we mentioned, but something could very well happen, but I, that doesn't mean I see it happening. Um, 
it could have just absolutely have been a fluke of the season and, and boom, shrug it off being the first game and not really knowing what's going on. But at the same time, it's pretty much everyone's first game. Pretty much no one knew what was going on at this point. So I think we're all on even ground for the most part on that, on that part. So I would agree. I weird. would agree with you there. But I will say this. The Louisiana Iowa State game, if you look into the box score of that, there were special teams touchdowns and defensive touchdowns. It wasn't like it was 31 14 Louisiana. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they went in there and just blitzkrieged Iowa State's defense. Yeah. They made special teams plays, they made defensive plays. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was an offensive explosion from them. And look, is it unlikely we're going to have a special teams touchdown against you every week? Yes. It's incredibly unlikely. Not impossible, but it's unlikely. Mm-hmm. So I can almost chalk that up as, you know what? It happens, okay? And it was only one game. If Iowa State beats Oklahoma, I think they play each other next week. Mm-hmm. I think. That is, someone, one of these two is playing Oklahoma next week. I forget which one it is. Uh, week, you see, Houston, Baylor, Tulsa, Oklahoma State, 26th. Um, Kansas, 26th, yes. Kansas State plays Oklahoma. Okay, so it's them. And Iowa okay. State plays TCU. Oh, where is that game at? Uh, TCU. Oh, 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 oh. oh, that should be good. CCU has no non-conference game this year because they had cases in their program. Mm-hmm. That's CCU's first game. Iowa State coming in after that big loss in a week to think about it. That's, that'll be an interesting game. What time is that game? Uh, 1.30. Okay. Uh, it will overlap our game some, but I'll probably start that game. Our game is at 3.30 next weekend. On either ABC or ESPN. Nice. So I, I agree with you in that I think they're probably more the upper middle than the lower than the lower uh, top. But here's the thing: that lower top, it's Oklahoma, Texas, and then who else? Because if you're looking at results, West Virginia is the is the top of the middle, right? Because they they have the biggest win. They have mm-hmm. a win. But you know. It's it's really kind of weird because if you look at the rest of the league, okay, we know Kansas lost. Texas Tech gave up 600 yards of offense to Houston Baptist, and had to have and had to uh, stop in the last minute two point conversion to win the game. Houston Baptist, I will break out a joke that I heard on three guys before the game. Hoppy Kirchival's son Ben is a um, is a reporter for CBS Sports. He said up until Saturday, I thought Houston Baptist was a hospital. <laughs> Don't I mean really. <laughs> Let's be honest. I thought they were a hospital, and yet they came in and just about beat Texas Tech in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. How yeah. insane is that? Can, so absolutely. we know what Kansas. So we know what Kansas is. We know what Texas. We think we know what Texas Tech is. West Virginia looks vastly improved. Iowa State lost. Kansas State lost. TCU didn't play. The middle of the league is wide open out behind Oklahoma and Texas. And really, it's mm-hmm. behind Oklahoma because Texas, we all know what's going to happen to them either. Exactly. I mean, they, they whomped on a UTEP team 59-3. And they had a player quit midway through that game. Yeah. That's still so weird to me. <laughs> I, can, I can make them weirder. He's back on the team now. What? He apologized to Herman Lennon back on the team. It must have been something extremely petty if we're in the, if we're in the let him Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I would never blame him back on my team. I'm like, son, you made a decision. You have to live with it. Yeah. I'll honor your scholarship, but you're not playing football again. 
You're just going to up and quit. Like, come on, man. But that's me. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I think they're probably in – for those two teams, I think it's probably upper middle. But here's the thing. That middle, for, like, two through ten – Mm-hmm. Is gonna be a is gonna be a big mashup this year. Good luck figuring it out. And here's the thing: we've only got one non-conference game to even begin to have an idea before we get conference games next weekend. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be one of those things where you go, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. So the Big Twelve is not the only team making news for potentially the wrong reasons with the Coney Conference. The Big Ten says, "Play on." They completely reversed their uh, decision to uh, postpone all fall sports in the spring, and they did it unanimously, fourteen nothing, to to say vote. They turned around eleven to three, no vote, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. As crazy as that is, when I heard you, when I told you that, what did you think? I I just hoped when you mentioned that that they had an extensive plan, like in terms of testing. And you you did mention they they plan to test daily, correct? Yes. Um, so really, I mean that's that's literally the best case scenario, outside of having zero fans whatsoever in the stands. X. I mean, I, I would expect WVU had what friends, uh, not friends and family, uh, immediate family members in the, in yes. the stands. Um, that's that, fine. That much, sure. Uh, but even then, I'm like, I'd still prefer zero. However. You know, I can I, I can only uh, I can only ask for so much here. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. So as long as they're not sitting here letting thousands of fans uh, in the stands. Uh, that part's and, undecided. And, and they're yeah, and they're doing as much testing as possible. They're really keeping track of this stuff. Then, sure, let let's do it. I mean, everyone else is doing it at this point. It's still, I'm still surprised that uh, that really we're even doing it, but um, you know we're doing it, and and people seem to be getting things under control. Um, Mountaineers had a couple confirmed cases. Uh, they didn't say exactly when those cases were confirmed, and if those players played in the EKU game uh, that I that I saw, but we do know that WVU has two other cases, and they will, and and they. They are now isolated, but what I want to know and can't figure out is if they played in the EKU game, because um, that 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 makes you want to look at EKU and be like, EKU, get yourselves tested. Uh, but that's a whole. Well, new... both well both teams had a test before the game. Both teams had that uh, COVID yeah. test on Friday before the game, and they all passed. Hmm. Remember, well, I mean, you sent you sent me the tweet on Friday night, and said we're yeah. good to go. Yeah, but then. And that's the thing, though. the 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 one downside about the these tests or any tests really is that these these players could still have very well been infected and just had such a low level that it wasn't detected yet, right? It's like, yes, yeah. uh, th- now I'm not saying that was the case. It could have been, um, but that is one scenario that I've got to throw in there, and that they could just be such so early in their 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 cases that they didn't have enough to be detected, so they got a false negative. Um, Again, obviously, I'm not going to say that is the case, but I keep that in mind at least that maybe it was. Um, I'd, I'd give it maybe a 10% chance, maybe even less than that. But I, these are things that I want to know, and I don't expect anyone to actually give us that information. Oh, no. To be you can fair, forget about that. To be fair, I, I, I expect it at this point, but still, the, my curiosity 
drives this. Um, but you need to get you need to get with a Washington Post investigative reporter. You're up around that area anyway. You need to just go ahead and get with the Washington Post investigative reporter and start investigating this. <laughs> I hear Bob Woodward is doing some amazing work. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully everything's good in that end. Um, really, I mean, even though the Pac-12 said that they don't have, uh, they aren't uh, acting on anything based on the Big 12 deci- uh, 10 decision. I, we should expect as of yet. We we really should expect it because if everyone but the Pac-12 is is getting in on the 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 chance at a college football playoff, you might as well pop them in now. At this well, see, point, the thing. the damage is going to be done if the damage is done. They need two things for Pac-12 to happen. They need approval from California and Oregon. They don't have that yet. Yeah. Public health departments have a lot more on their plate though right now than than a bunch of college people oh, wanting to play football. Absolutely. So. They're not going to – until you have the governors of Colorado – of California and Oregon saying you can play, Pac-12 can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Their hands are tied until those two states do anything, and they're not going to right now. However, yeah. the Pac-12 did say last night the best scenario for them is about early November. That's the absolute best scenario. Yeah, for them I do recall football. seeing that. And I, I don't know how that would work out even either. It, it that, wouldn't. That would be even – I mean we already – mentioned how the Big Ten schedule has no room for if there is an outbreak. What the hell does a does a November start do for anybody? It, it doesn't. Here's the thing. I was going to bring that up to the next point. The Big 12, want, the Big Ten, wants to start November 20, October 24th and play eight games. That is incredibly tight in a normal situation. It is about as tight as the threading of a needle. Now, because here's the thing. If there is a game postponed or canceled, there is no wiggle room. There is absolutely none. It is eight games in eight weeks, and their working theory is, okay, if we're testing daily, we can take all the stuff out of it. You cannot take 100% risk out of this at all. No, not at all. None. You cannot do it. So here's the thing. What if you're talking, and you're talking about getting the playoff? That's what that's their entire motivation here because they know they've got Ohio State and Penn State and maybe Michigan that can make the playoff and they want to see those two teams in. Mm-hmm. What if Ohio State has two games canceled? What if Ohio State only plays seven, six, seven games? They're already going to be everyone else is playing 10 games. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, the Big 12 is playing 10, the SEC is playing 10, everyone else is playing 10, 11 games. And here's Ohio State thinking they're all good playing seven or six. No, absolutely not. I don't care if they won them all 85 nothing. No. You don't get to have a team that only plays six, seven games. You start a team that played 12 and lost one. No. No, that, that's absolutely just, not. It's, it's, it's really weird. It, it's, it throws in that unnecessary winch. I mean, we already had a bunch of unnecessary winches at this point. This is just yeah. another one. This is just one more onto that pile of wrenches that no one wanted. It's like it's, our toolbox is pretty full, isn't it? Yeah, it's like you you come in on Christmas morning, and next thing you know, you're some uh, in laws or relatives you don't see, but, but once a year, get you another tool set, and you're like, oh, thanks, you got me one the last three years. That's basically what this basically. is. I mean, basically, I've had yeah. that situation with, with pocket knives. I'm not a pocket knife collector, and I swear every day in year, I get a pocket knife from someone. I'm like, I thank, thank you, but at the same I'll time, take one I, off your hands. I don't need them. Like my, my, I'll take my brother's the pocket knife collector here. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Michael. 
Okay. He, he's got. He's got. A <laughs> I was like, okay, let's let's clarify. He's here. got a ton of them. <laughs> I believe it. It's like me. On uh, the other hand, I have a couple that I don't even know where they're at. Mm. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I mapped out to you what the Big Ten should do if they wanted to complete a football season. Start October 10th or 17th at the very latest. Mm-hmm. It will give you room for one buy in there per team. Yeah. Because the objective is to have the playoff committee meets on December, on December 20th to decide who makes the college football playoff. That's the objective is to be there and have a game on December 19th beforehand. Mm-hmm. That's the objective. It would have worked better. It would have been a so, so much better had they done that. October 24th puts an unnecessary strain on the scheduling department, puts unnecessary strain on the teams itself. And it, if something goes, goes awry, you are screwed. There's no other way to put it. You are screwed if something goes wrong and there's a test from like Indiana or Purdue or for them, God forbid, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest here. It, they can say the medical uh, information changed. I'm not doubting the medical information did change. I'm not doubting that. But I have this strong belief that Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, and Michigan State, and Iowa, and Wisconsin ganged up on the rest of the league and said, look, we're playing. And if you don't, here's what's going to happen. I don't have any evidence for that, but I honestly believe that's what happened because I believe there is so much at stake for those teams and the money and the prestige that can be put together by those teams making the playoffs, mm-hmm. it, it, they pretty much said, look, if we don't play, here's what happens. And it's not going to go good for any one of us. I honestly believe I mean, that. It, w- it really wouldn't surprise me. If you listen to Ryan Day, the head coach at, uh, at Ohio State, and, and James Franklin at Penn State, it tells you two different things. James Franklin... <clears throat> At Penn State was on. They were both on College Game Day last week at the same time, and they basically were saying, were asked what they thought of it. And Ryan Day, it sounded like he was basically trying to to, to present evidence as to why we should play. And James Franklin said, "Look, we just want to tell our players and our and our parents why they're not playing. All we want is answers. That's all we want. If it happens to come to a revolt, so be it." Ryan Day, the Ohio State head coach, really sounded like he was basically saying, guys, I'm going to play nice publicly, but I really think we should play, and I really think you should let my team play. That's what it sounded like. And remember, before everything went to, you know, to bad and they canceled the season, there were rumors of Ohio State and Nebraska and all of them joining another conference to play the season. That would have, like been, that would have been very interesting. Imagine that. Bama Ohio State is a conference game. Like what? Like, and I thought West Virginia Oklahoma was weird. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, it, it's it's really they <clears throat> wanted to play, and I don't blame them for wanting to play. I have no problem wanting to play. But can it be done smartly in terms of medically, and can it be done smartly in terms of an actual schedule? And the answer is maybe to the medical, hopefully. And the answer is hell no to the schedule. That is going to be one whacked up piece of cake. Absolutely. That is going to look bad. Eight games, and then they're having the Big Ten Championship game. Here's how they're going to the Big Ten Championship game. They are doing the 
a on the last week of the season, no, December nineteenth, seeded crossover games. There's fourteen teams in the league, so seven plays seven, six plays six, up through one, and the one versus one is the Big Ten championship game. Awkward. Yeah, I, that still confuses me. <laughs> well, everyone knows that there's a tie. If two teams go four and four in conference play in the same league in the same division. That's what I want to know. Yeah. Sometimes you wonder if they think this thing. If they think these things through. Uh, half the time, I don't think so. I don't either. I really don't, and I don't. I don't like bashing people, but I'm going to be honest here. I don't think anyone for a second on the on the scheduling department thought this thing through. I think they. I think they rolled up. Rolled up into a bar and put something on a napkin as like a, if something ever happens, they can, and the commissioner bought it. That's what I think happened. I, I think a lot of them, I think really, they they succumbed to pressure from people who also had no idea what they were talking about. As if, you know, there was going to be some serious repercussion for them, you know, trying to protect the players. I mean, really, what, what are a bunch of angry parents going to do at this point that, like... They're not gonna. I can't imagine that they would sit there and tell their kids, "Oh, you, you can't go to this university no more. You can, you can just, yeah." I, I, it, there's, there's so many weird things I can imagine them trying to do, but I really can't imagine they pose much of a serious threat. And I have, I've genuinely imagined that there, some of that was pressure from again people that just genuinely have no idea what they're doing. And I would put the head coaches for the most part. In that, looking at you, Harbaugh. Looking at you, Ryan Day. Harbaugh, Harbaugh, man. Week one, he said my team could go play in two weeks, and I'm like, no. Okay, you haven't had a you haven't had a single bit of uh, of real game ready for a game practice experience in like three weeks. No. You couldn't go play a game right now. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like... You, you, you might play, but you might get your ass kicked. It's even funnier because Michigan is like... They're, they're a team that they, you always think they might have something together in any given season. And yet they always screw it up. So just imagine in this scenario how much Harbaugh would screw it up. And the rest if, of I'm the Michigan, if I'm Michigan, I would have been rooting on saying, no, I don't want any part of this. No, we are voting no the whole time. No, I'm not going down to Ohio State and get my rear end kicked like that. No. Here's the thing. If you lose in the horseshoe, in an empty horseshoe, that's even worse than if you win in the full horseshoe. <laughs> Isn't it, though? If they had that place bare bones, like 5,000 people, and Michigan still finds a way to lose in that game, that ain't good. Oh, they'll, they'll find a way. It, it's Michigan <laughs> playing Ohio State. They'll find a way. <laughs> Yeah, ha- Harbaugh right loses. Listen, Harbaugh's already shown how how. Let's just put it frankly, how dumb he is. <laughs> so, I was going to say so inept, but okay. <laughs> to, yeah, inept is a really good word too. But when he goes into Ohio State, you might as well put a rock as a coach because it will coach better than he does. <laughs> he genuinely loses all sense of how to do anything, even as a human being, when he walks into that building. <laughs> Starts talking to the pregame reporter. Well, I hope we can win today. I think we got a good chance of playing Ohio. <laughs> uh, Jim. Oh, crap. 
Yeah, absolutely. We look at the we look at the wrong team film all week. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, you meant that Ohio? <laughs> okay, I thought we were playing the Browns. Okay, <laughs> all right. No, have SpongeBob oh, drive in on that bolt that wild <laughs> and he'll coach. Let's do it, boys. Because you have a better chance oh. than having Jim Harbaugh as your coach in, in that in that stadium. The good old pioneers. <laughs> the pioneers used oh, to ride boy. these babies for miles. All right. <laughs> That's not the only meme we did. I made a meme on Sunday night. Ah, it was wonderful. And it was fun. And it was funny. So let's talk. Let's switch to the pro game now. First of all, two things. One, Patriots 21, Dolphins 11. Two, Buccaneers 23, Saints 34. Tommy Boy is 0-1. Billy is 1-0. How's that going for you, Brady? Not ah, very well. How's that going for you? Because now he's getting thrown under the bus by his, rightfully so, by his coach. <laughs> Bruce Jarrett doesn't take any, any crap from anyone. Nope. You do not want to get on his bad side. Just like Bill. Those are two old school guys. If you ever get a chance, I don't know if they still have it on there. I assume they do. When Amazon did that all for nothing, all or nothing series, especially their version of Hard Knocks, mm-hmm. they followed Bruce Arians' Cardinals around for the first year. You think you and I have used curse words? <laughs> oh my word. Bruce Arians, every other word out of his mouth had to be bleeped. <laughs> every other word it felt like, especially when they lost the game. Oh boy. Now, I respect Bruce Aarons. I think he's a heck of a coach. But, man, he put some sauce on that sandwich. <laughs> he was using them sentence enhancers yes, generously. He <laughs> yes, he was. He put some fire on that sandwich. But let's talk about the Patriots game, and we'll talk about the uh, Brady's game in just a bit. So, first of all, you did not see the Patriots game. I didn't actually see it. I listened to the game. Mm-hmm. But when you see the stats... What stands out? So the stats, I did manage to, to watch a few highlights. Um, so I, I at least got the gist of the game. So basically what I got out of it was they didn't they didn't put too much into Cam's hands to begin with, which is good. Um, they they threw in some of the some of the uh, the RPOs and you know designed QB runs uh, to get him you know, also comfortable with that. Um, he he was quite accurate. He only he only through four incompletions, um, what, 150-some yards. He he rushed for another 75. Yeah. Um, 155 yards passing, 75 yards rushing. So, yep. so he got his couple touchdowns to start <laughs> off the season. Wonderful. Uh, a, a note on that second touchdown, I, I when I saw the highlight, I just, I just – this made me happy, right? David Andrews sitting there right behind him on that second touchdown. Absolutely. And he turns around and goes, dude, you got to spike it, man. And he just hands the ball to him, and, and then Andrews does the spike. Um, man, that just makes me happy. Um, but seriously, I, I saw all that. Cam had that fire. Andrews had that fire. Everyone else was just fired up to be back out there. Um, and it was it was fun to watch. And I, I mean, this isn't – this isn't extremely impressive in some terms of the actual stat, but for the for the New England Patriots, Cam Newton comes in, plays one game, and already owns a Patriots franchise record. Most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single game. 
Boom. Like, he comes in and already shatters a record. Don't know what the previous record was, but he came in and shattered it. So something's something's already working right. You know, he, he seemed like he was getting comfortable. And, you know, there's a lot to work on in terms of uh, for anyone, of course. Um, but it was nice. It was nice to see. It. And everyone still looked like they they had some semblance of what was going on. So that that was nice. I like I like I like the defensive performance. They they forced Pitchpatrick into 191 yards and three interceptions mm-hmm. and one to ice the game. Yeah, that to me was was the the offense is going to get the attention, but the defense did what the defense had to do, especially the secondary. They're the ones that had to carry this defense. And they did it. Yeah, like J.C. Jackson got that pick. Stephon Gilmore's remaining hungry, aiming for that repeating DPOI. <laughs> In that five and earning that five billion rate dollar oh, base he got. Definitely. And then the new guy, Phillips. Yep. Yep. That that to me, I think, was the, the offense is gonna get headlines, and rightfully so. <clears throat> but I think the defense the, Ryan Fitzpatrick is someone who you can have your way with defensively if you really work at it. Mm-hmm. He can beat you, but he is definitely not invincible. <clears throat> and I think they showed that. In that game, yeah, he's he's extremely interesting because, like, when he's good, he's good, but when he's bad, he is atrocious. He stinks up the joint. He is atrocious when he's on a bad, a bad game. So and that just happened to be a game he was not that good at all. No, and they moved the ball, but they did not move it to the extent of when would win the game. When I and if you move the ball, fine, I will give you that. Mm-hmm. Just don't score. I'm a fan of the Ben don't break mentality. Mm-hmm. I believe in that wholeheartedly. <clears throat> so the other game that we talked about, the game that we basically railed on, was the Buccaneers lost to the Saints in Brady's first game down there. It looked bad. Okay? Mm-hmm. They made it look competitive. They were never in that game. No. Never in that game. No, not at all. And you and I were having some fun at the, extent of Tom, at the expense of Tom Brady. Because we're still, we are bitter Patriots fans. We're not going to hide it. We are bitter at him for lose, for leaving. <clears throat> and I was telling dad, I, my dad, I, I again extended a certain finger toward Brady. And my dad was looking at me like, why are you still doing that? I was like, I accept players leave. I don't accept you leading everyone on to think you're going to stay and then you leave. I will never accept that. Exactly. And that, that. That really struck a nerve with me. I don't appreciate that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't mind you being honest and saying, you know what, I'm out. But I mind you leading everyone, including Bill, to believe you were staying and then and then bailing. I mind that fully. Exactly. It's 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 annoying, and I, I it'll take me quite a while to to to. I probably take me probably never happen to to really get over that. Um, but yeah, I, I sat there, I watched it. You could tell. Now, obviously, to some extent, you can attribute this to the fact that obviously, new team, obviously, the pandemic happened to shorten <clears throat> all the, the times you had with new, with new receivers. But it genuinely looked like nothing changed from last year. He come in, he comes in, starts the game, goes right back into the same pattern they were in last. He was in last year with New England, where. You couldn't tell who who was talking to who out there. Receivers and Brady 
had no communication whatsoever, and it's like it, it, it's like it never stopped. Now this could very well improve, but I expect it to. But but you come in and you saw it happen, and it, frankly, it happened more than I expected it to. He blatantly overthrew um, Evans. Was it Evans he targeted? And, and interception. That sounds right. Straight yeah. to to that that DB. Then he underthrows the next receiver. Pick six. It was those were those were either him totally screwing up, or or I would definitely was him screwing up, or but it was also. Or it was the combination of him screwing up and the receiver also not knowing what route they're running. But it, really, it was it looked horrible. Even Gronk wasn't all that good. I, I didn't even hear Gronk's name said once other than, hey, Gronk's on the team. I heard like one catch, but it was not. Gronk was a non-factor in that game. And here's the thing. Th- this is the most interesting dynamic of that team to me. Byron Leftwich is the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do you, and Brady beat, beat Byron Leftwich in his playing career. Do you think that Brady will at some point take over this offense and say, Byron, it's mine, stop? Because it almost seems like, he, like it's leading toward that. If this, if this continues, either, either Leftwich gets fired or behind the scenes, Arians goes, okay, Tom, it's yours. Run the show. Honestly, I, I, I think most of us expect that he won't be playing for very much longer, even you know past this season. Um, I, I would have a hard time letting a guy come in who still who does also doesn't know their system, and just say, "Hey, take over everything." Right? Like I get it. After a while, I mean, he's still one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. But you're coming into a system with. All new people that you have no idea. You barely know your coach and and the coaches you work with. It would be irresponsible, from in my opinion, to just give him free reign of an offense that seemingly he has barely barely any understanding of. I can't disagree with that. I just think it's. I think he'll. I think there's that alpha male part of him that oh, basically goes. There, there it's not working. Mine. There has to be. You could. You could. You definitely get that feeling. I I don't disagree that that that, that mentality and and that uh, tension is possibly there, um, but I feel like at the minute you give up reins to to him, I think you're screwing the team over even more at this point. Yeah, there's an argument to be made for that. <laughs> so I'm gonna let you explain my meme because I think you'll do a better job than I did. Than I do explaining it. Because I think you know the backstory behind it. I don't like the meme itself, not what I did in the meme. Oh, the the Wolverine meme. Yes. Uh, I forget the exact or do it. Okay. C- scenario or, or like how the meme started, but basically it was what it's Wolverine staring at a photo, just you know, going, "Oh, come come back," you know. Everyone basically knows this meme. Um, but if you don't look it if up, if you don't look it up, it probably be on like, our page. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you you popped Tom Brady's face over Wolverine, and Bill Belichick was in the photo. You know, missing. <laughs> it's like oh, I already miss after one game of of a loss. He already <laughs> misses the winning ways of Bill Belichick. And Bill's like, "Don't miss Tom for a second. I got Cam." And Bill's like, "See you, Tom. Have fun in, in <laughs> Florida." <laughs> Oh boy! It's like it's like, it's like keep, you sit there and go. Keep in mind, Tom, 
you have a very horrible record in the warm, warm weather of Florida. Why the hell did you decide to go down there? <laughs> well, you know, he almost went New Orleans. That's that would have been so interesting. Oh, I told Dad, I was like, you know, the whole getting younger on offense part that didn't work out. If that if that would have happened, if Brady was, I'm like, we're gonna get younger on offense. Signs a 43 year old quarterback. Well, we lied. Yeah. He also, the Bears made an offer to him. Chicago did. And he considered it, but he didn't want to play in the cold. And I'm like, well, you're not working so well in the dome. They're <laughs> hot now, are you? Yeah. You mentioned the offseason. And they didn't estimate. I don't know if it was before you got home or not. The estimate was that he missed 1,500 reps over the offseason. That's a lot of reps for a, for a new team. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of reps for anyone, but especially for a new team. So he actually used virtual reality for the first time in his career trying to make up reps. Huh. Yep. I mean, Grant, that's creative, and I'm sure it helps some. That's, that's very I give him credit for it, but that's just weird. Yeah. So the bottom line is we get to rail on Brady for at least one more week, and this is going to be the back and forth so long as he's playing in the league. Yep. Is who, who does, what? Who is better? And who was more important to the dynasty, Bill or Brady? Mm-hmm. Right now, it looks like Bill is more important to that dynasty. And I still think he was. I'm always going to believe Bill is more important to that dynasty. Mm-hmm. Because it was Bill's – Brady's only one player. Bill built the rest of those teams. Yep. Bill's the GM there too. Without Bill, it doesn't get done. Well, that's right. Tampa's playing Carolina next week. Oh, they'll win that game. They'll win that game. It's in Tampa, too. They'll win that game. I'm going to laugh if they lose. <laughs> so am I. All day long. I mean, Carolina's got 30 points per game. Tampa Bay has 23. Ha, 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 ha. We know it. Uh, <laughs> One week of stats. <laughs> oh, boy. Overreaction Friday is what this is. <laughs> Let's move on to our game. Patriots at Seattle. Ordinarily, this game looks like a, a defensive struggle, and it might well be. But the Seahawks had that reputation of running the ball for three quarters and then having Russell Wilson bail them out in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They did not do that in Atlanta. They threw the ball at will in Atlanta. Yeah. This offense looks like it finally came in the 21st century. You know what that means? Strength on strength. Yeah. The, the DBs are going to have to have to do their work, you know, if they want to keep, keep that – Ball going 50 yards downfield every play. Exactly. And you know what? Another time of possession game. Let's run the ball down their throat. Let's make Russell Wilson have mm-hmm. no time to do anything. Yeah. Let's make them earn it. Utilize that depth. Utilize Cam Newton's speed and ability to 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 make seeming you know something out of nothing, and and run that clock down. You know, even if it's not a high-scoring game, as long as, like you said with the last game, as long as you got one more point in the end, who cares what the score is? I don't. I might for fantasy purposes, but I'm not concerned with fantasy football. My first concern is winning the, winning the real football game. Yep. I'll worry about <clears throat> fantasy later. And you and I are both on one. Maybe we should take a different approach to that. Ah. <laughs> So I, the only one club is very whatever lonely. approach I take, my, that that player will get injured next week, and I have to get rid of him. So you know, <laughs> no. that's my luck. You have you have the injury luck of the of the Indianapolis Colts. Oh yeah, yeah. My wide receiving core for the last 
three years and now it's seemingly going to be my running back core uh ha- has just been one week one i'm i've got a new core <laughs> so it's it's it's, it's not good no, not at all uh, there's another storyline here that we have not brought up yet it's the fires and the air quality in seattle uh, I watched a baseball game. The A's and the Mariners were playing in Seattle. Uh, I think it was on Tuesday night I was watching that game. Maybe it was Wednesday. Either way, uh, you could tell there was smoke in the air. But the way this works, the air quality has to drop below a certain number for the game to be postponed and or moved. So the game's at 820 on ABC. On NBC. My bet is it stays there for two reasons. One, they're not going to move to Monday, to Monday night because they have the Raiders' place opening, and they're not going to put that game at the same time on Monday Night Football, and they want that game to be seen by a national audience. They're not stupid. Mm-hmm. They're not going to put it at like four, like 4 o'clock on a Monday either. No one's that stupid. And I'm pretty sure NBC has other stuff they like to they like show at 4 o'clock on a Monday too. Yeah. And <clears throat> NBC also has the U.S. Open Golf Tournament. And that is going to take precedent for them on Sunday afternoon on the network. I guarantee you, if they move the football game up to one o'clock, the USGA would throw a spin <clears throat> for that. Oh, I would have and to. And I would too, to be fair. But that's the only option. And here's the thing: move it up to, move it up to four o'clock. Okay, still not good. That takes out the, the last rounds of the golf, the last few holes of the golf tournament. One o'clock our time is ten o'clock their time. No one wants to go play a football game at 10 a.m. Yeah, no. No, especially if the Patriots get in there at, like, Saturday night or something like that and adjust to West Coast time. No. That game will probably stay where it is so long as the air quality works <clears throat> for this game. That's going to be an underlying storyline to watch. Yeah. It's to see how that game impacts it. It will probably look like that game against Atlanta in Gillette a few years ago and it fogged up when the place got fogged up. Yeah. That's what we'll probably end up looking like, but of course it won't be fog, it'll be smoke. And again, we're hoping that you know it rains and that some of that stuff gets dissipated. We're obviously hoping that. Just the fact that we want the fires to be out. You know, obviously we're we none of no one should want to see those fires keep burning. Yeah. Everyone should be rooting for the fire firefighters to get going to, you know, get a win. And because it hasn't been said yet, we're obviously thinking about those who are affected by the fires in California, Oregon, and Washington. Obviously, I, I don't think anyone here isn't. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just this is an interesting. It's an interesting game for so many different reasons. Yeah, definitely. So, with that being said, Darren, um, what's your pick? Um, I I think I'm going to stick with my original pick, which was I believe Seattle. Um, I mean, I, I think it, it it's Russell Wilson we're talking about for one. This mm-hmm. dude's this is incredible. Um. I obviously will be sitting there rooting for New England, obviously, but I, I still think Seattle's going to end up coming out with that win. It's going to take something special, uh, primi- primarily from the defense, to to shake up Russell Wilson, and he's not that easily shake up. Shake up? No, he's not. Uh, and uh, he's you can't shaken, not stirred. <laughs> <laughs> so got me a double seven. <laughs> so he, he's he's pretty good at keeping um, himself collected. Uh, so the defense is gonna have to have to step up because this ain't Miami we're playing. <laughs> no. You get three now. If you get three interceptions on Russell Wilson, you might as well put that game in the bag. You've won it. Yeah. So get if you get those three interceptions, do it. It's I don't 
I don't see it happening. Though. If they get one, I'll be thrilled. Absolutely. So they're going to have to play some lockdown defense. Um, obviously, the offense is going to have to to keep on track as well. But the defense, I think, is the key here. Um, you can't you can't have Russell running and throwing all over you because if he sees that opportunity, it will be taken. This is the this is the game we're talking about. I'm missing the secondary. Defensive line's got to play well too. You've got to get penetration in that backfield as much as you can and keep him in a pocket. Yeah. Because if he's in the pocket, he's a lot more. He's a lot less. He's still dangerous, but he's, I'd rather have him in the pocket than I would getting outside. Mm-hmm. When he gets outside, it's game over. Definitely, he's too quick to you let got, him out though. Exactly, you got to score by any chance. You're just going to push straight up. Uh, I think I'm just going to straight up Seattle. I don't know what the, the um what the line is, but uh, I can find that out for you. Uh. Patriots Seahawks line. Uh, let's see here. <sighs> NFL Seattle minus four. So the Patriots just set a four point underdog. Okay, so that's actually closer than I expected. But uh, I mean, yeah, I that that sounds sounds interesting. I was gonna say a touchdown. Um, gee, I think I think they'd win it by a touchdown. This is the first time since week one of 2016 that Patriots are underdogs in a regular season game. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a streak of 64 consecutive games the Patriots have played and as a favorite. This is the longest streak in the Super Bowl era. Hmm. The over-under is 45 points. <clears throat> I can see that happening. I can, see. I can too. I'm go- Here's some scissor stats for you. At home since 2013, Seattle is 40-16. and 16. But there won't be any fans there. Yeah. So that the whole twelfth man might might uh being gone. Twelves aren't there. Nope. I'm gonna go Patriots fourteen, Seattle twenty-four. I don't like doing a ten point <clears throat> loss, but honestly, a ten point loss is something I can live with. Yeah. If it comes down to that, I can I can live with that. And that's not so much that I think the Seattle defense is that good. I just think that the Patriots the way they're going to have to play that game will not lead themselves to a lot of scoring mm-hmm. because the Seahawks have the ability to where if they want to throw a deep, they can, but if they want to run the clock down and make <clears> it <throat> like a three possession game in the second half, they can do it. Yeah. They're very capable of doing that. You may have eight possessions total in this game. So you've got to make everything count. And I just, I don't, it's a different environment. It's going on the road. It's getting on a plane. It's going across the country in the middle of a in the middle of a of a smoky situation. A twenty a ten point loss is what I think this one will be. And I don't like saying that because I never think the Patriots are going to lose. But I'm not I'm not doing this to blow smoke. No pun intended. I'm being honest. I think it'll be a ten point loss, and I hope I'm wrong. But I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. What? One final thing I wanna I wanna mention because I already mentioned it to you, but ju- is yours. just to uh, just to follow the, the the slight weaming on Tom Brady, um, remember that. Uh, well, and also to to talk up Cam Newton just a little bit. Cam Newton was the only quarterback on a new team in Week One to to win a game. Absolutely, he was. Um, yes. And to. To further dig that hole of Tom Brady, um, Tom was the 
first NFL MVP quarterback to switch teams and lose their first game with the new team. Every other uh-huh. MVP quarterback in in history that has switched teams it won their first game, including Cam Newton. So, um, uh-huh. so way to break a streak, Brady. This is going to be so fun, especially if they bomb and go like nine and seven. <laughs> We're sitting there eleven and five, they're nine and seven. It's like it's only two games, but it looks a hell of a lot better. Yeah. So there's that. Oh, <laughs> all right. There's that. So we have a new segment on this show. We haven't named it yet, but since you suggested the idea, I'm going to give you the floor. Kind of get us into this. You can introduce a segment and then a story if you want to, and I'll fill in the rest. So, um, when I saw it, when I saw this story, and I and I shared it with you, um, the first thing I said was, "What what a hell of a story!" Uh, and that that was my idea for the ti- uh, the section title, but we have yet to to come to a final decision. Uh, but for, for this one, I'm going to say we forgot about it mostly. This, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say for this one. <laughs> Uh, th- this this is your weekly hell uh, hell of a story. <laughs> um, we'll go with it for this. So <laughs> I saw I saw the information, and it it, it starts uh, it, it's that a in baseball in the MLB, um, Alec Mills was wasn't recruited to the University of Tennessee at Martin, which I guess is where he attended. Um, and he, walk, he walked on the practice one day, told the coach he was good enough to pitch, and next thing you know, he was on the team. He was picked in the 22nd round, and that day, which was the 13th, um, he threw a no-hitter. So I, I saw that, shared it, I thought, what a hell of a story. Exactly. He is the... 306th, I believe, no-hitter in Major League history. What a number. I have the Wikipedia article. I couldn't find anything else on... Uh, okay. Yeah, he is the 305th no-hitter in Major League history. He's the second one this season. Lucas Giolito, the Chicago White Sox, don't hit the Pittsburgh Pirates. So both Major League no-hitters this year have come in Chicago for Chicago teams. Wow. Mm-hmm. Chicago, the city of no-hitters. Yep. Alec Mills, uh, overall in his career, owns a 6-4 and four record with a 3.85 ERA. He has started uh, 15 games in his career. He has pitched in 28. He has one save. He has no hitter to his name. That is something else. Look at his stat line. He's 5-3 and three this year with a 3.93 ERA. He last year he only played him. He only won. He was one and zero with a two point seven five ERA in in uh, nine games, four starts. And the previous year he was zero and one in seven games before even ERA in eighteen innings pitch. He's pitched the most innings he have ever uh, this season with 52, 52 and two thirds innings. Last year he had thirty six. Even the previous year was eighteen. Even he's getting better mm-hmm. by all accounts, and. He's not the best pitcher on that staff. That's uh, – I forgot who their ace is. But anyway, I'm, I'm in football mode, not in baseball <laughs> mode. But here's the point, though. It's, it's crazy when you think about – this is what makes baseball so fun. It's because you don't know what's going to happen. 
perfection and no hitters can happen at any given on any given day. You have no idea when it can happen exactly. or when it or when something's gonna happen. He's the sixteenth no hitter in Chicago Cubs history. That is sixth in baseball history. Wow. Right above my Atlanta Braves with 14 and top of the Indians with 14. The most, the Dodgers have 26. Wow. There is one team that has never had a major league no-hitter. Can you guess that team? I have no idea. The San Diego Padres. Ouch. Never have had a no-hitter. The Columbus Buckeyes have two. <laughs> and they were a team from 1863 to 1864. <laughs> they had two seasons that had two no-hitters, and they had more than the Padres. <laughs> that ain't good. Nope. That ain't good. Well, the, the, <sighs> all I know is the pitcher that ends up throwing that first no-hitter for that team is going to be hailed as a god. He's going to be given <laughs> a statue outside Petco Park. <laughs> He is going to be given a statue. Oh, oh boy. This, again, this is what makes sports so fun when you find these random things you never would have thought about until it actually has to happen. Congratulations to Eric, to Alec Mills. You're really always happy to see someone who has been, has a great story like that and throw, does something really well. I love seeing it. Absolutely. Absolutely love seeing you. Well, sir, I believe that's our show. If I am, uh, if I'm correct, I think we've run out of stuff to talk about, at least for this week. Yeah, I think so. We will be back next week with a new, with a preview of West Virginia versus Oklahoma State, a recap of the Patriots Seahawks game, and a preview of the Patriots versus the Las Vegas Raiders. As weird as that is to say. Yeah. So, until then, I'm Lucas, that's Darren. This has been Scientific Coaching number 20. Darren, take us home. Adios, everybody. Stay safe. All right. <clears throat> We're out. <laughs> it looks like Brian's going to set the premiere his thing. Yeah. I haven't gotten a notification on YouTube on uh, YouTube yet saying it's out because I don't imagine it will be out. He's got like 27 minutes to export, which again, if he'd done as I said, we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. It's like, Brian, you know you can schedule that right. You can say gather around at 730 and it's there. Exactly. But again, I'll say it again. What do I know? <laughs> what do I know? All right, I'll get caught up on that. I will uh, get this uh, cut up in the next, but I have – my dad and I ordered uh, – well, I didn't order it. My dad brought home takeout last night from OK Chinese. Mm-hmm. And I have leftovers that are calling my name. Sesame and cashew chicken. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he couldn't decide which one he wanted, so he uh, – and he, misunder- he underestimated the uh, the size of the thing. So it was more than they wanted, so we split it. I had we each had half and half, so I've got me a big thing in there of sesame and cashew chicken there. 
I win. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll get this thing cut up after that. So I'll yeah I, do that. Sounds good. And I should have it out by. I should have it out by three. I think. Awesome. All right. Till next yep. week. Talk to you later. Mm.